Hello and welcome to the latest Percipient podcast in our series, examining the future of hospitality finance. My name is Chris Stock and the Managing Director of Percipient. Today I'm pleased to have our special guest Graham Parker, the Finance Director for Axiom Hospitality, join me to discuss how he standardises best practice across a multi-entity business. Great to have you with us, Graham. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for inviting me. Okay, so Axiom has an impressive portfolio of, uh, of hotels and venues. Can you tell us a little bit more about the business and your role within it? Sure. Um, Axiom is a relatively uh, new company. We were founded uh, late 2020 by Alex Pritchard and Jamie Lamb, two individuals well known in the hospitality industry. Our mantra is to simply drive outstanding performance and returns for hotel owners. We uh, specialise in the management of hotel companies. We don't actually only own any hotel asset. We currently have a portfolio of 11 hotels within the UK, uh, all in fantastic locations, prime locations throughout the, in the UK, and they represent around about 2,000 keys. Okay, and then your role within the business? My role in the business is finance director for the company, so looking after all the numbers for all the properties. The important role then, yeah. <laughs> and in terms of personal interest, what can we find Graham doing in an evening and weekend? Uh, uh, definitely two things that adds, um, are outstanding for me is photography, amateur photography, um, specialise in black and white monochrome photography, have a passion for that, and also live music. Okay, so the combination there. So you, you started a, a brand new project in, in late 2020, um, ahead of a growth curve for the business that, that perhaps you alluded to there. Can you talk us through why you made that decision? Perhaps then what your selection process was and, and sort of the key drivers behind making the change? For sure. Um, we're really looking for lots of finance systems out there in the world, but we're looking for a finance system that was predominantly multi-ledger, multi-currency, could do dimension accounting, could do cost center accounting, was cloud-based. So we got away from having a tin in an office with a server that cost a fortune to secure and maintain. Um, we're just looking for, you know, a modern finance system to suit the modern day world. Okay. And did you, did you, as in terms of the selection process that you look, looked at, did you look at a number of systems or, or had you? Yes. Of- I mean, uh, we looked at Sage X3. Um, sorry, we looked at quite a few. Uh, we looked at Sage, and Tax, Sage X3. Um, I've used Sage for a number of years, but we also looked at PeopleSoft. We looked at Microsoft Dynamics. So we came back to selecting Sage X3 as our preferred choice. Okay. And in terms of the team that you've got there now, how is this? How is it structured now? And did this change after the system was implemented? I know, obviously, I kind of guess as the business has grown, you may have started with quite a small team, but but how does that look now, sort of before and after? Perhaps yeah, their role so- and perhaps their roles as well, maybe. Yeah, so originally there was uh, at startup, there was myself and one AP person, uh, and that was it. Um, and when we first started, we had six properties or six hotels. Um, and then as we've grown to 11 properties, um, we've added members of staff to the position where now in late, early 22, have uh, myself as finance director, we have three management accountants, which is one senior, one junior, and one just a management accountant and still one person in AP. Okay. Okay. So scaling quickly was, was clearly important to you. How has the system and what has been done around it allowed this to happen? Okay. I think in the first, in the first instance, when we installed Sage X3, we had a very clear implementation plan, which was designed by myself and recipient. Now, when we designed that implementation plan, we always had a view of Axiom being so many hotels within that structure, within the company. So in the implementation plan, we were very clear on ensuring that we had all the area codes set up. Uh, we, we we had 
we also set up, for example, that we would um, maybe have five restaurants in a hotel, even though most hotels only have one or two restaurants. So we future-proofed the build process, which allowed us then just to, as new hotels come on board, to just bolt them in very easily. Because as long as you can future-proof the system, adding hotels is quite a simple process. Most hotels have two restaurants, two bars, X, X number of bedrooms. And unless you come on, very few hotels, unless you're dealing with resort type properties, will have, you know, five, six, seven restaurants or five, six, seven different bars. But because we come back to that implementation plan that we had at, you know, at the very beginning, we built the system to allow for that expansion. Yeah, so I guess that, that initial planning, that consistency there really helped. And obviously, you've now got that common set of processes, the standard chart of accounts that you talked about, and it's, yep. allowed, it's obviously allowed. And has, has then that allowed you to perhaps be able to achieve more with less that makes sense is that yes definitely well it's certainly a pain-free operation of adding new properties into the system so yes more for less absolutely okay now i guess it's quite easy for the team is it to to to, um the process transactions across different entities is that and and that's obviously standardised now. So has that has that been a lot simpler for them? Yes, I mean, I mean, just to put that into perspective, because it's a really important question. I used to use an old Sage system called Sage Five Hundred, which was, um, you know, easily could easily cope with a hundred different hotels in its system. But each hotel was its own database. Um, so you had a database with a set of suppliers in it, and then you had another database with another set of suppliers in it. And consolidation across databases was a bit of a nightmare. It was virtually impossible. It involved lots of extractions and lots of reconciliations in Excel. Whereas the beauty of Sage X3 is you're just dealing with one database, which then fans out across multi-companies and multi-sites. So when it comes to consolidations, very simple. When it comes to extractions, very simple. When it comes to supplier analysis, very simple, because you're all just driving off one database. And I guess it's given the team more time perhaps to focus on some of the value-add tasks as opposed to, as I say, you know, different logging into different entities of systems and, and, and performing transactions for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's, it's simple things. You know, what all your journal when when you're posting month end journals, all your journals are in the same format. All your models are in the same format. The only thing that's different is they the uh, site number. So as long as the site number's correct and the company number's correct, everything else could be standardized. Okay. So I believe you I understand you you went live during the COVID pandemic. So how did what you put in place help during that period? And, and did the fact that you had a true cloud-based system support the remote working culture that we all sort of found ourselves in? Blimey, pandemic. Who would have thought of that <laughs> three years ago? Blimey. So here we are two years on, having lived, or well, 18 months on, having lived with COVID. So November 20, late November 20, we were, what, six months into COVID? Yeah. Um, and we were in the culture of you must work from home or you must come back to work or all very confusing. Uh, but in November 20, we were all working uh, from the office. There was only two people in the finance team. Um, but we were we, we, we chose to elect, well, we, we, we operate under a hybrid model. So we have so many days in the office, some days from working from home. And, you know, using Sage 3, Sage X3 in a cloud-based system absolutely supports that. You can use it anywhere. So whether it's a pandemic or whether it's a work-life balance, Sage X3 just fits, fits perfectly. I guess a team have benefited from that as well, have they, I guess? Yeah. You don't need to be sat in an office connected, you know, to a, a wire that's then connected to a server, or you don't have to, you know, use a company VPN to get in. It's brilliant. It's completely flat. One of my sort of favourite topics, and, and perhaps people don't realise sometimes when they when they go into these things, is integration. So, obviously, 
and, and, and modern systems sort of help and enable that. So you've integrated your finance system to several third parties. Can you talk us through how that's helped the business and, and perhaps yeah, some of the key benefits yeah, that it's brought? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, integration's really, really critical for me because, you know, in this day and age, it's all about efficiency. So uh, we've integrated to our HR and payroll scheduling system, uh, which is a system called E-Productive. And that's fantastic because that then produces, well, both systems talk to each other and, you know, month-end journals then get posted, you know, for cut-off accruals, holiday accruals. There's no interference required by a human. So that's, that's really really clever. We've also integrated with a purchasing company. Uh, we have a number of suppliers now on EDI, which is fantastic because it cuts down on manual input purchase invoices. Um, and again, that comes back to efficiency. That's how we can operate the hotels that we do. 11 properties with just one AB person, whereas other operators might have more or might operate on, say, one to six ratio of hotels. Having EDI is a massive benefit. So, yes, We've integrated with fetching company, we've integrated with our payroll system, um, we're looking at future opportunities, such as integrating with Tableau or SDR reporting. Okay, and I guess final question, or to put you on a spot a little bit, and in, in, you've obviously been through an implementation now, you've obviously added companies on since you've, you've, you uh, since that initial implementation, but any advice you'd give everyone looking to embark on a, on a similar journey? Yeah, don't be scared by recipients and what they tell you. <laughs> Um, but it is daunting at first, absolutely, because, you know, you, you get into grips with a new system. But today's actually is so intuitive. And when you train people, the response or the feedback you get from new users is, it's a great system. It's quick. Um, it's easy to understand. You know, it, it, it is really simple. I mean, just if you if you wanted to manually input an invoice, for argument's sake, within four or five keystrokes, you can have your invoice input. It's all done on one screen. You're not, think, you're not putting five bits of information on one screen, pressing a button and then going to another screen and doing a bit more. It's so simple. I think that's an important point, isn't it, as well, especially as different generations now come into a business. It's so just, it's, it's just it, it, expectation it, it, that it, it that, that usability, that uh, that it is easy to use and uh, yeah, it several is, clicks. It, it's fast and most things are done on one screen, which is, yeah. which is a huge benefit. And I love the fact that, you know, when you post something, it only has a temporary status until you validate it or make it final. But whilst it's sat in temporary status, you can go back to the journal and amend if you've made a mistake or add extra text if you feel that your description's not sufficient. So it's completely flexible. So, you know, when you're reviewing month-end, you're not reviewing multiple journals or you're not reviewing, you're not doing a correction journal because you then made a mistake on the original journal. just need to go back to the original journal. Or you can even go as far as deleting the original journal and posting another journal to replace it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very good. So I guess in, in terms of um, in perhaps more general questions then, how are you managing to stay on top of the ongoing COVID-related challenges across the, the various locations? Um, well, because we operate 11 hotels in various different locations, the performance of the hotels is very different. So we've got a honeypot location such as Bath. Bath is doing fantastically well. Uh, it, it, it booms when it's the vacation time, so during the summer months, UK staycations all seem to want to go to Bath. The occupancy is very strong. Even during the winter months, occupancy is strong. Um, the challenge is now is yielding weekend occupancy and trying to grow midweek occupancy. Um, the, the, the issue I think everyone faces in our industry at the moment is encouraging corporates to come back midweek. That's the challenge because um, a lot of corporates are still working from home. 
I think that will improve in 22. Uh, and a lot of our projections for, you know, for the next five years, a lot of our projections are getting 23 back to pre-pandemic levels. So we still, you know, 22 is still an important year where we've got to remain efficient, not have any waste in our businesses, carrying out constant reviews to make sure we're always delivering that extra bit of performance and not just standing back and reporting numbers. So 22 is still an important year. Hopefully by 23, we'll be back to what we were used to back in 2019 pre-pandemic. Cost, I think, for the, probably for the for the industry as a whole. There, it's, uh, I guess looking to the future, and perhaps you've answered part of the part of this to, in your previous uh, in your previous answer. But what are the key challenges you believe you're facing, and, and do you have any initials in, initiatives in place in the business to address them? The key key challenges are, you know, driving efficiency, remaining keeping efficient, absolutely critical. Um, so said before, we're not gonna we're not gonna return to pre-pandemic levels till twenty-three. And you know, that's not even a guarantee. So everything we can do to remain efficient is just going to support what Axiom Hospitality is about. So exploring integrations, working with other business partners, and in ha- knowing at the back of my mind that A, Stage X3 seems to be able to integrate with anything because it's just data flowing in, but also having the support of recipient to make that integration happen is also critical so yeah efficiency is my mantra for 22 so um putting you on the spot again finally last question i promise uh, and sort of crystal ball time um you obviously you've worked in the industry for, for many many years and i guess focusing on the industry as a whole what perhaps are your predictions for the next two or five years two to five years maybe even beyond and, and perhaps then what role the finance function and technology may play in the future of hotels well i mean crystal ball time so um i think we'll con- well, you know, I've already alluded to the fact that hopefully in 23, we'll, we're getting back to some normality. But I think we will continue to see consolidation in the industry. Um, I think the brands seem to be very important at the moment because brands promise you X, Y, Z in terms of distribution and delivery. And that's really important when you're coming out. And, and that's no different to coming out of a recession. People lean back on the brand because the brand can deliver that distribution. I think in good times, um, as things get stronger, maybe brands will be re- less reliant. But, you know, for the next two or five years, I think a lot more consolidation. I think, sadly, we might see some hotel companies disappear from the market. Um, but the brands such as Holiday Inn, Marriott, Hilton will always remain. I think the franchise model will become more important in the industry in the next two to five years. Um, you know, Holiday Inn are all, already, well, IHG are already predominantly franchised. But potentially, I see other brand operators going down the franchise route more so than the managed route. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, very good. So I think, yeah, it, it's been, it's been great talking to you. I think from my perspective, sort of summing up some of the, some of the key takeaway points from what you've said, I think, and I know from talking to you from the start, planning for the future was a big thing for you and, and making sure that what we put in wasn't just right for, for day one, but it, but it, but it was future proof as well. I know you, yourself and, and the business put a real emphasis behind that. And obviously the, the system allowed you to do that. Um, yeah. And I know how important that single system was, Enable, enable to enable you to manage those various different entities to take away the pain of of logging into separate several different systems. So I think that and allowing giving you the the data to allow you to do the analysis there uh, was was really important. But also as well, and, and again, you, you touched on it several times how, how important the integration has, has played in that and, and save time and you know from the manual input that was previously required to what you have now. So I think clearly that's come out there is how important that integration was to you as well. 
But the other thing on integration as well, it's not just about doing the basics, such as at then journal, but it's exploring other opportunities that integration presents. So just to give you an example there, not only does the payroll system book, you know, your month-end accruals, but now we can also load all our FTE data, all our HR stat data into one central database and pull it down. So, if anyone so then you're using that for analysis and reporting again, then? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to go to your payroll system to look for that. You can look at it and say, so someone doesn't have to sit there and input a journal that's, you know, a thousand lines. It's all just integrated. All just happens automatically at the flick of a button. Oh, very good. Yeah, it's, uh, again, it's something that's that's really uh, shone out from, from what you've done. Okay. So, Graham, thank you. It's been great talking to you today. Thank you very much for your time. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for inviting me. No, thank you very much. Join us for our next episode when we'll be speaking to Peter Gibson from Hastings Hotels to discuss the challenges finance directors are facing in hospitality and asking what the future holds for the finance function as part of a hotel's core strategic direction.